So if we had to try to unify um, all the, the, the presently in vogue methods of investigation and the empirical sciences in, um, uh, in the different academic disciplines and fields, what would that be? What would such a unification potentially look like? So we might say that uh, it, it would uh, um, a way to put it perhaps is that uh, we are trying to um, comprehend appearances in terms of other appearances with certain implicit uh, um, philosophical, so to say, assumptions that are not really uh, it, it consciously uh, it thought about, uh, but that all the work is done with them in mind. What does that mean? So uh, we see we can take up a field uh, for, for, for as an example, such as physics, and we see that um, the, the, the present uh, um, field of physics functions with a certain paradigm uh, developed probably most prominently in the 17th century uh, and with certain presuppositions concerning uh, phenomena. Uh, and uh, for, with these presuppositions, a certain world image is built uh, from experiments and, and from uh, empirical data. Uh, and, and from there, um, it, physicists try to, um, try to further their understanding within this paradigm, within this world system. Right? forgetting that it is, not, not everyone, not always, but quite frequently forgetting that it is simply a world image. It is a paradigm, and it's not that, it, it, and to ascertain the correspondence of the, the paradigm, the world image, to anything that could ever be thought about as reality or as experience is a whole different bag of worms, or can of worms, whatever the expression is. And the whole idea then is is to try to, uh, is to the assumption is that one range of appearances accounts or can account for another range of appearances, and consequently, from there, the work is done. For instance, um, how do we, uh, within a, uh, the, the the paradigm of uh, of modern physics, how do we uh, ascertain what um, what gravity is? So the assumption is that if we can point to something that mathematically exists in some kind of connection with something else, with something else that eventually uh, has some kind of um, uh, empirical uh, uh, marks uh, or signs that, that, that seem to imply it, that that would somehow explain it. All right? So gravity, for example, if, if we can um, demonstrate mathematically that there's some kind of curve uh, or, or whatever it may be to quote-unquote space-time, that would somehow explain the appearance, the initial appearance in our experience of things falling. Or maybe we need to substitute it with a different equation and call it quantum, right? If, the, if we can only demonstrate that certain things vibrate in a particular pattern, that would ultimately explain uh, this, uh, it, it, the, the reality, the lived reality that we have. For example, dropping an apple and it falling, right? So this is an assumption. It's not something that's for granted, but we say that it's an assumption that has been hidden uh, in, in the course of um, doing the, the actual work of, of, uh, of here physics, and it's not something that's frequently taught about, thought, thought about, or taught about. Um, all right, so we can uh, give it a little bit of attention and see if it's a valid presupposition. So um, the whole, to, to whatever complexity might eventually be had, we can kind of, uh, an analogy for it would be the, the classic example of a billiard ball colliding with another billiard ball. The assumption is that because uh, we imparted uh, motion, or it's not even that's too much already, we moved, 
then the billiard ball moved, and then the billiard ball that it made contact with moved. So the assumption is that um, the movement transferred over from our hand to the billiard, or from this our hand to the stick, to the billiard ball, to the other billiard ball. But we see these these are all set of complex philosophical assumptions. Uh, and, and by no means is it absolutely evident or tato, ta, to, a matter of tautology, tautological, however you pronounce it, a matter of tautology that um, uh, that uh, to explain the cause of the, the final billiard ball, we have to refer to the motion of the first one and what it would even mean for the motion to transfer. It, it's, a, it's a real big question. So that, But we see here how we take one range of appearances, the appearance of the first billiard ball moving, and use it to account for the second range of appearances. So we can kind of, and, and from there we can, uh, the, 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 that basic model, we can substitute things and say space-time and quantum and who knows what. But it's the same idea. If we uh, identify the uh, imp- implied movements of certain implied particles using equations, that would somehow uh, uh, explain the, uh, a different appearance, right? Again, such as, a, uh, such as an apple falling, whatever you call it, the quantum schmantum vibrations, the, the particles uh, moving, in any case may be. So we see again, what's the assumption here? It's that, uh, the rain, that one appearance accounts for another. Is this a veiled assumption? So if we c- uh, think conceptually, we simply say that we are presented with uh, a, a, an appearance or, or with a range of appearances and we can uh, predict some appearances uh, by observing some other appearances. For example, if we stand um, uh, over uh, the sea on a, on a rock face and we, and we hold a rock, we can predict based on past experience that if we throw the rock into the sea, it'll make a splash. At least if it's big enough, if it's small enough, we won't see it. But if it's big enough, we'll see a splash. We'll hear a sound and we'll see uh, the, uh, uh, water coming up, right? So, but the, that's all that we know. That's all that we have as a matter of experience. We can predict one thing by uh, uh, by another um, uh, by considering an initial appearance. So now to say, however, that on the deepest level, um, uh, the the rock caused um, the sound, and the rock caused the sight of the water, and the rock caused the water to come up, and all these things. These are very many complicated assumptions. Um, so one thing to, to consider would be what do we mean by the term cause? Uh, and, and here we would say that we can try to define cause all day long by considering merely appearances. Oh, it's when one motion exists in close enough conjunction with another motion. But another way would be to consider our inner experience and, and think about the fact that um, it's very clear that when we want when we want something, uh, and then we do whatever it takes to have that something, that would whatever cause might mean that would seem to be it, right? For example, we have a um, uh, we desire um, our stomach is growling, so we desire some food, and then we go and get the food. Uh, so there's a particular relation between getting the food and doing whatever it, it took to get the food and the fact that we had a, a, f- a painful feeling in our stomach. So we can designate that relation with the term cause, meaning it's it's bringing about a modification of experience in light of a particular objective that we hold. And now we say that the reason that we consider um, external phenomena to be cause and effect is because we line it up with this inner uh, experience of wanting something and getting what we want. So in the billiard ball, we consider the first billiard ball to be the desire and the second billiard ball to be the, um, the, the fulfillment of the desire. So we say one causes another, but really we just see one appearance following another appearance. So really, 
to make a long or very long story short, we could say that that conceptually speaking, we can only understand the range, uh, the realm of appearances by citing some kind of desire, by citing um, a, a, a desire. So we would say that to understand why a tree grows, uh, we wouldn't, uh, no amount of looking through a microscope and saying, okay, it's because of these little things and the and the, the, the things we see here in the math equations. It wouldn't explain why a tree grows. A tree grows because... According to this reasoning, at least, there's a desire which is met in having the tree grow. The chipmunk doesn't pursue, or the squirrel, let's say, because what does a chipmunk eat, right? The squirrel doesn't pursue nuts because we can look closer at something under the microscope and called the brain or the chemical or whatnot, and moves because it wants to get the nuts. All right, So we would then consider, seriously, thinking about the the rest of of, uh, uh, of of phenomena is uh, under the same um, kind of uh, insight. Using this insight here and thinking about how it could uh, be be actually conceptually comprehended, so we can think about it. Thank you for listening.